Hello everyone, is your host Alex Carrillo. Welcome to Fork It Up. Fork It Up is a podcast that aims to educate listeners on everything and anything relating to food. From personal food stories to sustainable farming practices, you name it, we cover it all. This podcast is presented on behalf of Arizona State University's Pitchfork Pantry, a free food resource available to the ASU community. To learn more about the pantry, please visit their Instagram or Facebook page at ASU Pitchfork Pantry. The following episode includes content relating to unhealthy eating habits, which some viewers may find troubling. Viewer discretion is advised. Information and resources for those struggling with any unhealthy eating habits, please visit ASU's Counseling Services or ASU's Health Services. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Fork It Up. Today, we have a very special guest. Her name is Joyce. She is actually the Director of Health Promotions for the Pitchfork Pantry. So, hi, Joyce. How are you today? So good. How are you? Good. I'm so excited to just talk to you and listen to what you have to say, because I'm sure that today's um, episode is going to be a good one. Oh, thank you so much. Yes, I'm so excited to be here. I'm honestly so thrilled about this idea of having a podcast because I have listened to podcasts for such a long time. So it's really awesome that I'm finally being featured in one. So that's really cool. I always like to say that, you know, the Pitchfork Pantry fulfills everyone's dreams in one way or another. Oh, yes. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) Either through food or through actually being a podcast guest. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so I know when we last spoke, you wanted to touch on the um, subject of you being an athlete and your relationship with food and those uh, complexities that come along with that. And to start off the podcast, I would like to um, ask how old were you when you started being a gymnast? Yeah, so I was actually about four years old when I started doing gymnastics and um, I was a competitive gymnast for about 16 years. So I'm 20 now. So it's yeah, gymnastics has always been a huge part of my life. And I think anyone who has been committed to something for, you know, such a long time, it's always going to be ingrained into you to have a passion for it. Yeah, it's definitely gymnastics always will have a part, always will be a part of me. Um, But yeah, I think I started at a very young age. And so you know, the amount of growth and development that I've gone through throughout my whole career has definitely shifted me as a person and changed me and and allowed me to evolve into who I am today. And, you know, obviously, I know that sounds pretty cliche, like everyone else would have, but it's seriously like, you grow up doing this. So it's very, um, it's very cool to look back and see. Yeah, especially since I'm assuming that being a gymnast, you have to practice maybe every day or how many times a day would you practice? Yeah, so pretty much ever since I can remember, um, I think like even middle school, I had this schedule, but it would practically be a job. I mean, it would be five days out of seven, four hours a day, and it would be late at night too. So it would be like four to 8 p.m., sometimes three to eight. Um, And this was, you know, as I'm like, uh, like I was 15, 16. And so 
you're just constantly on the grind. Yeah, I honestly just remember being on that 20 hours a week schedule for pretty much my whole life. That was just what I was used to. It was just like gymnastics and and school. But honestly, my priorities fell into gymnastics because there's so much more factors that go into, into that when you're spending literally so much time at the gym. You know, I was seeing my teammates and my coaches way more than I was seeing my own family and spending time with my friends at high, in high school. Um, so you just really, really got to know, you know, yourself and, and everyone around you at the gym for, for so long. Did you ever look at your peers while you were in school and say, actually, I wonder why my schedule is so hectic compared to theirs or it oh, just never yeah. crossed your mind? Oh yeah. No, there were definitely some times, um, I would say as I grew older, I learned to appreciate it a lot more because, um, you know, having that grind, there's very little room to mess around and procrastinate. And so you really learn, like when you get home and it's 10 PM, you know, you have an assignment due it's just homework, shower and sleep. And so you really get into this rhythm of like every single day you're on the same routine, same grind. And, um, but there were definitely some days where I would just be at practice and thinking to myself, you know, I could just be a normal high schooler out there and not have this crazy life that I'm in right now. And I could just be enjoying myself and, you know, not, not, being here this late at night and, and, you know, and everyone has those days, everyone has those thoughts and everything. Um, but again, I would say that having such, I I was honestly very grateful to, um, have such supportive teammates and such amazing coaches that it made it more enjoyable and we, I really, we really grew as a family. I mean, it felt like a very family bond and we all had such a good relationship with each other at the gym that like, it didn't feel as if it were a chore for me to go every day. I started mm-hmm. to grow, we started to grow, um, you know, bond with each other and just really grow together as, as a team And that's super important when you're in sports. Yeah, I was in volleyball and I was in soccer in high school. Um, And yeah, even, I mean, your schedule definitely seems more impressive than mine. Or like, I kudos to you for handling that because I didn't have all those hours under my belt and I still felt stress. There's obviously sometimes these stereotypes that come along with being a student, being an athlete. I know that we were athletes probably in high school. So maybe the stereotypes are a little bit less severe, but in college, you know, there's these stereotypes of, well, if you're an athlete, you're not really a good student. What is your take on that? Yeah, so um, that was definitely something that I, I, I definitely felt that in high school. Um, you know, uh, a lot of my peers and a lot of my friends even were taking honors classes or APs and, and I that's just not, I couldn't commit both my time and energy to both school and gym. I mean, there came a point where I did try to take more advanced classes, but I'm, I'm a slower learner. Like I take a lot more time to 
absorb and digest the information. And so in order for me to split my time and energy, um, and really be successful in both aspects of my life, I had to, I had to take the, the quote unquote basic level of the class and, you know, like I, I was, I would say like I was a good student, but I didn't go above and beyond. I didn't do mm-hmm. the extra credit of, of the honors classes and this and that, you know? So I definitely devoted my, my energy and my focus to the gym. So that definitely was, and I think a lot of athletes experience this because when you're so involved in the sport and you're so just, you know, that's just your passion and that's just your drive. And I was so much more that, mm-hmm. but I obviously cared about my academics and I, I cared and wanted to be successful, but because I wanted to be successful, I knew that I couldn't do three AP classes and go to practice for four hours. That just wasn't me. I know that there's so many people out there who can do that with their sport and, you know, with, with athletics, but I just knew I was not going to be successful doing that. And so that was something that I knew was right for me, but, you know, I'm sure many people who did know me and my friends, you know, they may have had thoughts of their own about my schedule and stuff, but Mm -hmm. I just knew that that was going to be the best for me. And that is important. I feel sometimes as students, we put so much pressure on ourselves to be the best at this and to do this and to multitask and to like, I would see some of my friends majoring in like three different things. I'd be like, okay, well, I literally cannot mentally take that on, but I mean, should I be doing that? Because my other friends are doing it. So you start to compare yourself. Was there a time when you kind of started having a different perspective of what, you know, gymnastics meant to you? Yes, actually, that is something I did want to talk about was, um, you know, I, I had a very rocky career. I mean, if I'm going to just be straight up and honest, there were definitely different, a lot of ups and downs. And um, I would say right now to this day, it was 100% worth it, all of it. Um, I honestly wouldn't have changed any of it because every single, you know, every single roller coaster that I went through, I learned so much about myself, about how I can handle things and just has really taught me so much that I have taken into my life now. Um, and, you know, throughout my career, there were definitely every, every athlete has those days of just really just wanting to quit. And, Mm -hmm. um, I remember there was a point in my, my gymnastics career where I reached this, this level mentally that I was like, this is just getting too much. It was really just physically and mentally taxing. And, um, I started to get a lot of something with, with my career as a gymnast. Um, I was always a overthinker and, Mm. um, 
I would always get into my head a lot and get mental blocks and start to get, you know, fear about certain skills that I was going to do in gymnastics. And um, there are two points in my career, but the first one was, was more significant where I literally, I remember I came, I would be coming home practically crying every day to my parents. And I was younger. Um, I think I was maybe in seventh grade and mm-hmm. saying like, I, I just don't want to do this anymore. Like, this is just way too much. I'm, I am having way too much anxiety every day about thinking about these skills and thinking about my training. And this is just getting too much. I just, you know, I was, I was having trouble finding the love that I once first had for the sport. And, um, I remember I was very much this close to quitting and I remember thinking in my head, you know, once I have that talk with my parents, once I just, you know, get out of gymnastics, it'll all be fine and Mm -hmm. I'll be so much happier and I won't have to Mm -hmm. stress every day. And I remember my dad sat me down on the couch that night and said, Joyce, you're not quitting. This is not, you're way stronger than this. You can push through this you have so much potential and I remember that conversation so clearly to this day because Mm -hmm. after he told me you know you're way stronger than this you can do this um that really resonated with me and honestly that point on um my parents were constantly like how is your how is practice you know how was it and that really was something that sparked me to continue going forward. And, you know, something else my dad would always say is there, there's going to be bad days. There's going to be really rough and really hard days, but you, the fact that you can push through it and forward that makes you stronger. And Mm -hmm. honestly, that season was one of my best seasons of my career. And so I like think back to that and say like, you know, if I had quit, like I would have been really, really sad and regret a lot. And, um, but yeah, so there's obviously many days where you just, nothing's going right and you're just falling, you're just upset and, you know, you just can't get anything right. It, just basically feels like the universe is against you. Mm-hmm. And um, I honestly, I look back to this day and I, those days were what really pushed me to go forward. And I was thriving off of my bad days. And, um, you know, I, I'm an emotional person. I'm very sensitive and things like that. And so me when too. I, Yes. And so when I get sad or frustrated, I mean, you can tell. So like at practices, I I would be just very upset. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and that's another thing that goes back to doing so many years of gymnastics and learning about yourself and learning how you can deal with these circumstances. Because when you're having a bad day and your coach is still yelling at you to fix your form or 
to do better or things like that. You don't want to be hearing that right now. You know, mm-hmm. like you don't really want, you just kind of want to be in your own zone. You, you just feel like everything's against you. You just keep falling. You can't get it right. And you know, your teammates are trying to support you and help you and your coaches are still talking to you, but you're just, you're just in your own zone. So, um, you really just learn a lot of, you know, you, you have to still be respectful and you still have to be a good teammate and you still have to listen to your coaches and it really, um, teaches you so much. And I I honestly think I've just taken so much of that to my everyday life now. And it really just changes your perspective and mindset on a lot of things. So for sure, it's literally like a metaphor for what life is. I mean, every day it's a constant journey and we're always facing new struggles, but like trying to lift yourself back up and trying to ace whatever you're doing is the thing that's trying to like move forward in life and hopefully one day, you know, reach that perfect score, a good day and uh, move forward from there. But I also wanted to ask, like, how was your personal relationship with yourself, like growing up, you know, like, I'm sure, you know, you hit, you know, uh, your teenage years, and you start noticing different things about yourself and this relationship that you have with your body. Did that also did gymnastics play a negative part or a positive part in that? Because from stories that I hear on the news from like gymnasts and stuff, it it always comes across as negative. So I just want to hear like your, your take on that and the culture within really like puberty in, uh, in the gymnastics world. Yeah, totally. Um, So basically, I mean, ever since I can remember in gymnastics, we would have conditioning and strength training at the end of practice, like the last 30 minutes or so. And for whatever reason, I was always so willing to do that. I mean, I was always so looking forward to the workout part of part of practice at the end where we would strength train. And, um, you know, I, my coaches would give us a list of strength exercises and conditioning exercises for the end of, end of practice. And, um, I would always be so into it. I would always mm-hmm. love doing the, the sprints and the pull-ups and the push-ups. and any normal human, I feel like would not like to do that. You, you know, you're tired at the end of practice who wants to be doing that right now, but I was always so interested and I loved that feeling of just getting stronger and pushing your body to its max and getting faster and feeling like you just got a really good workout in and um I remember doing I remember liking that ever since um I was younger and you know I every single day in gymnastics you are obviously it's a very physically demanding sport. Um, but I started to get, I competed throughout high school and I started to get a very perfectionist mindset of everything needs to be perfect. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I, that was great in gymnastics to, 
to have that, but I started, that started to really evolve into, I also really need to look perfect and I need to, you know, uh, follow a workout regimen and a diet and everything that would keep me in this quote unquote, perfect body for gymnastics. And, um, you know, I was never really aware or educated about body image or any of that. Um, until I was like my sophomore year of high school, I would say was when it started to really, really become noticeable. And that year I also competed my highest level of gymnastics. Mm. And so um, I remember one time at a competition, a coach from a different gym came over to me and said, you have perfect lines. Your body alignment is absolutely perfect. And um, your muscles are just, are standing out and everyone can see it. And I remember hearing this and I took that as a huge compliment. And I was like, wow, Mm -hmm. that is awesome. You know, that's so cool that other people are noticing that. But as I'm looking back to it now, you know, like different comments like that in gymnastics really fed into my perfectionism and my obsessive my obsession of wanting to be perfect in every aspect and really becoming hyper aware of how I looked and my appearance. And, you know, in gymnastics, you're, you're literally wearing a skin tight leotard. You can literally see everything. So it's different from, you know, like a soccer player who's wearing shorts and and a shirt. And Mm -hmm. so, um, you know, in the sport that I was in, you are literally being judged for how tight can you squeeze your muscles? How, you know, how um, much can, like, how can you not arch your back? Just all these little details of your body and your appearance. And are, do you look tight? Do you look loose? Do you, you know, do you look like you're strong? And so, I would say as I grew older and Mm -hmm. my sophomore year, junior year, senior year time period um, was when I started to really become aware and obsessive over um, how much, how much I ate, how much I worked out. And if I, you know, I, I would literally base my mood that day off of how I perceive myself. And that's a very common thing in the sport of gymnastics. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, something else that a lot of people don't really know about or don't realize is a lot of girls who are gymnasts and very intense in the sport, they don't go through puberty until much later time. That's normal. in life. And, you know, I remember going to my sports doctor in high school and she was saying, you're way under fueling. You are really just, you know, you're a lot smaller than, um, you should be at your age. Mm -hmm. And in my head, I'm like, 
I I'm eating fine. Like I'm literally fine. Like I was very much in denial of no, like you don't understand. Like I'm a gymnast. This is just how it is. It's just normal. Like, you know, I just thought this is how it is. And, um, I had at this point, it was, um, my mindset was so, I, I lasered. Yes. Yes. Like I just was like anything to, to keep my lean, perfect body alignment so that I can continue to be successful in gymnastics. Um, and I, looking back at pictures now, I mean, I see that I was a lot leaner, a lot smaller than some of my teammates. And like at the time I thought to myself, you know, I, I had always been known as, you know, the healthy one and this and that, like, it was always super fun and games, but internally inside, no one knew what was going on in my head. No one knew that I was like, literally telling myself, nope, can't eat that. Like, that's gonna make me gain an an ounce of fat that cannot be shown in, in my leotard. And I was super, um, obsessive over, you know, my, the timing of when I would eat, of what I would eat, of how much, how much water I would drink. Um, did I work out enough that day? Did, you know, and, and no one knew about this and everyone I'm sure from the outside looking at me just like, she has that lean gymnastics body and she looks perfect and everything's fine. Mm -hmm. And I never expressed on my face, um, that I was having an issue and, um, you know, I, I never even really told my parents because they also just thought, you know, you just, you're going to practice 20 hours a week. This is, yeah. I mean, you look like you're going to practice 20 hours a week. And my mom would feed me dinner at at night and that would be that. And that's great. But, um, I definitely think that gymnastics can be very, can have a very positive mindset Mm -hmm. if, if you don't get too, into the whole of over obsession and perfectionism and, and body image and all that. Um, but I think the culture of gymnastics, it's hard not to, I mean, you're being judged and yeah. by your appearance and everything. So it's hard not to get yourself into these thoughts and deep into this hole. But, um, for me, I took, I, I just took it to the extreme and I know so many people who, uh, well, from what I know, who like look like they don't, there aren't, they aren't struggling. And, you know, it's, it's hard because gymnastics is such, such a big part of, of my life and of all genus life, but there's such a big aspect of, of body image and of your relationship with food and your body. And, you know, so many people don't really talk about that, but it's really important for people to know that 
there's a huge mental aspect of the sport of gymnastics. And that is really something that I think is just required. It's just, you know, associated with the culture because you're surrounded at the gym by mirrors everywhere. So, you know, you're wearing this leotard and you're looking in the mirror while doing your skills. So I can only control, you know, how I look when I'm standing there in the mirror, you know, just fixing my hair or whatever. But when I'm like running down the runway or running to do a skill or I'm swinging on the bars, I don't know like how I'm looking like, you know, like no one's right. like able to just like look over while they're doing a flip. And so I could only control what I could control. And that to me was, I was getting super hyper obsessive about that. So um, that definitely hindered my, or it definitely set back my, um, like my puberty levels and like just different things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think it's definitely something that people don't talk about all the time. Mm-hmm. but it's a very big aspect of the sport. Yeah. And it really... sounds like, Oh, go ahead. I apologize. Oh no. I was just going to say that that really is important for people to know. Yeah. I-, I agree as well. Like I think there's, I think to a certain degree, there's always like these dark aspects to professional sports in terms of perfection I mean you are literally like fire coach told you need to do that better and you can do it good but like okay do it like three times and like by the third time you should like exceed the first perfect score or the goal that you just like nailed right and it sounds like to me like for you controlling your body was you know this way to then control your your outcomes in sports do you feel that you know, I'm sure, well, this is an assumption, but you couldn't have been the only one dealing with this. Like, did you ever have conversations with other girls who also were creating these obsessions with their bodies and what they were eating and their habits? Was that not talked about within your team? So yeah, interestingly enough, um, I never wanted to come off as though I was having these thoughts and I was having an issue. I wouldn't really say an issue. Well, it kind of was, but again, at the time I wanted to make it look like I had everything together and that I, yes, I did have, you know, I, I did have good arm muscles and I did have good, like a quote unquote flat stomach and abs and all that. And I really took a lot of pride into that. Mm -hmm. but no one knew what was going on inside my head. And I never wanted to show that as a weakness. So I never really talked about that to my teammates, which is something I definitely regret to this day, even just because I feel like we could all talk about it. And it's definitely, I'm sure, as you were saying, something that everyone's thought of and I wouldn't have been the only one and you know but I was too much into my head and so much in a competition with my own self of being perfect Mm. and of having this mindset of wanting to be my better a better version of myself every day and continuing to stay on that perfect regimen and not 
you know, fall off the wagon kind of thing. And so I never really, um, verbalize that to any of my teammates or my coaches or my parents. So I kept this Mm -hmm. inside for like quite some time, um, which made it even more difficult to kind of just go through my everyday life. And no one knew that I had was thinking I shouldn't have eaten that or, you know, I need to eat at exactly two o'clock so that I can perform my best at gymnastics. And, you know, like I, I would always have these thoughts in my head or even I didn't work as hard as I, as I should have at practice today. I can't have that piece of chocolate for dessert and just like things, thoughts like that, that I never said to anyone, because again, Mm -hmm. I didn't want anyone to see that as a weakness of mine or a problem or she, you know, she has something going on. Like I always wanted to look like I had everything together. And I think that that's something that a lot of people do go through. But Mm -hmm. I think that with gymnastics and I think that with my love for coming from gymnastics stemmed by my, my love and drive for working out in general. But I think that that was great, but to an extent. And I think that my obsession over perfectionism and, and really just like, like I, if I didn't, if I wasn't sweating up a storm and fully exerting my body to its max, every single practice, like I felt like it wasn't good enough. And that's just not obviously a healthy relationship at all with yourself and with your mind. Um, but I definitely developed that as I grew older and mm-hmm. more aware of my strength of my body and how workouts made me feel and, you know, how exercise was making me feel mentally as well. What made you realize like, this is a problem and I need, I need to change this obsession that I have? So, yeah, um, I would say, so it's funny because each year in high school, there was a different, something different that I experienced with gymnastics. So um, my freshman year, I actually, um, I actually broke my thumb the first, the week before my first competition. So that was kind of heartbreaking for me. But again, I was freshman year, I was still kind of naive and unaware of the whole body image things. So um, I just was conditioning on the sideline and, you know, just cheering my teammates on. And um, really, really my goal was to make that comeback in my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. And I, I did, but that was when I really, that was – I think the very beginning of my um, perfectionism and obsession over food in my body and my sophomore year season of gymnastics. Again, I, t- I said this earlier was my best season and it was honestly, it was, it was pretty miraculous that I was able to compete level nine, which was my highest um, level that I competed in gymnastics But, um, so after sophomore year, 
junior year was kind of kind of the same and then senior year I would say Mm -hmm. was really my year that this became too much would say that actually that season was my I mean sophomore year and senior year were both my pretty great seasons um but senior year I had competed my first competition and I actually got my highest score um, on the balance beam. And so I was super, super happy about that. And that was really exciting for me. And then literally the next week, mm-hmm. I hurt my ankle really badly and um, doing a vault. And um, I was immediately put into a boot and crutches for about three months. Wow. Yeah, that was a long time then for a, a season, right? Because how, how long is a season normally? So it's about it's about January to April-ish. Like the end of April is like when regional championships is. So okay. um, yeah, it's, it's about four, around four months. But yeah, so I was in a boot for a long time and I immediately went into physical therapy. Mm -hmm. And at the beginning of physical therapy, I remember, remember thinking to myself, like, this isn't happening. This is my senior season. I need to be out there. I need to be competing. Like I need to be working out. And let me tell you from someone who obviously injuries suck regardless. I mean, they just literally are the worst, but when you have this mindset of, food and, and exercise is the high, you know, the only way to do it. And then you get Mm -hmm. injured and that hinders your ability to make all that happen. That really takes a toll mentally. And, you know, I was so used to being able to control everything of how much I ate and how much I worked out and this and that. And then when you get injured, you can't run anymore. And you can't do any of that stuff that you used to do to burn calories and to, you know, whatever. So that was a really big mindset shift for me. And I remember going to physical therapy and I told my physical therapist, um, I said, I need to be able to compete at my state championships, which I had qualified for in my first competition I said, I need to be able to compete at that at, um, in two months from now. And he looked at me with like this face of you're, you're crazy because your ankle is very blue and very, you, you can't put any pressure on it right now. Mm -hmm. And I told him, I literally was like, I expect to be able to use my ankle to run and to jump and be able to compete in in two months and I really need to get out there. This is my senior season. And I was so, so determined to, to be out there. And I am honestly to this day, very grateful for my physical therapist because he was so good and he was, you know, just pushing me to my max. And what I soon learned is that I couldn't run, but I could go on the bike. And so I was able to start using the bike to, um, get my cardio in. And so I remember 
when I was still in my boot and I could, I wasn't using crutches anymore, but I was still in the boot. It became really too much when my senior year, I would, I would want to, I would, I would basically want to do anything I could to continue working as hard as I can fitness level wise. So before high school or before a school day, I started to go to the gym, the fitness gym to go on the bike at 6am in the morning for like an hour to get my cardio in. Then I would have, you know, five or six hours of school. And then I would go to practice from four to eight to do basically all upper body strength and things that I could do without using my foot. And I started Mm -hmm. to do that every single day. And I started to get into this, okay, well, you know, it's okay if I don't work out as hard at practice in the afternoon, because I'm going to go on the bike in the morning and work it all off and get my cardio Mm -hmm. in that way. And so I started to do this and I started to really just like get obsessed with that. And I loved, I loved running prior to this. And so the bike was like my new go-to for cardio. And, um, I, I just remember thinking to myself, like my mindset and my priorities, you know, I really should have been studying a little harder or focusing a little more in school or even having fun with my friends and going out to, you know, have fun and hang out with my friends. But instead I was just focused on, I need to look my best and I need to have this perfect body that I'm imagining in myself. And I was constantly looking in the mirror. And I remember there was one day that, um, I had to leave practice early but Mm -hmm. I still, you know, ate my same pre-workout snack that I did, but I didn't work out as much as I wanted to, to my standards and didn't eat a full dinner that night because in my head I was like, I didn't burn it all off and you know, this and that. And that just really was like, around that time, I started thinking to myself, you know, I, I don't think this is normal. Honestly, this has become really, really obsessive. And Mm -hmm. I started to think that when even my friends would say, Hey, do you want to, you know, I'll go out to dinner tonight or whatever. And I would say no, because I knew that if I just stayed home, then that's a safe space for me to know exactly what I'm eating, can control the amount of, of, of fat and, you know, salt and sugar that was in my food. And I was very much like in control and felt safe with that. And so, you know, looking back, I do just regret not like living in the moment, Joyce, like, you know, just not worrying and obsessing so much about that, but it had just really taken a toll through me because I, my ankle 
you know, that was out of my control. And so when something is out of my control, then I resulted into something else and started to shift my focus into something else. And so that season, um, I, I really just remember I was just super, super over-exercising and exerting my body to its absolute limits and beyond. And, you know, even if it slightly hurt my ankle, which was the problem, I would still do the exercise because that would, you know, make me stronger and, and keep my same, make my body look good. And I was so obsessed with that, that like nothing else mattered. So at that point, it just got really to the point where I was like, this is my senior year. Like, I can't keep living like this, you know? And this is, it it became to a point also where I was thinking to myself, this is really not sustainable. I mean, how the heck am I going to be able to do this for when I go into college? I'm not. And um, I, I also remember my dad also came to me one day and said, um, I was, he could tell I was upset. And I said, I didn't have time to do my three hour workout today. And he, um, he basically said, Joyce, what are you going to do when you have a nine to five job? You won't have time to do a three, three hour workout. You're literally going to have to do 30 minutes. If that maybe an hour on the weekends kind of thing, you're just, your priorities have to change. And at the time I remember thinking, no, I'm going to still get my, my two to three hour workout. in. like, that's just not going to happen. And I was so in denial of not having exercise be my number one priority and my number one go-to. And, you know, I was so into my head. And then once my dad said that, and once I started to realize there's other things in life going on, there's a lot of other events that you can do, a lot of other activities that don't require you to be, you know, sweating your face off and working so freaking hard, leaving you practically with no energy at the end. There's a lot of other activities that you can do that's still moving and still, you know, walking or whatever. And um, it was a really, really hard time for me to wrap my head around the idea of your body isn't going to gain 20 pounds if you don't work out for three hours, you know, like Mm -hmm. it just was like, so when you're so into that tunnel vision of that's all you can see, it's so hard to get out of that. And it's so hard to realize, you know what, this is just not, it's, this is not reality, right? Like I can't spend that many hours at the gym and I can't do this exercise, these same exercises every day. Like I just can't. So mm-hmm. definitely senior year to the beginning of freshman year of college was the time where I was, I kind of had to think to myself, where are my priorities right now? And also how is this helping me for my future? You know, like body health wise, like, is this really gonna benefit me or harm me further on and so I kind of had to realize is this gonna uh make me 
you know, stronger in the future or not be able to do as much exercise that I want to in the future. So it really was a huge mindset shift. And my senior year of high school was really when I had to put things into perspective for sure. You realized that one day you had to let go in order to live a quote unquote normal, healthy life. And even to this day, I mean, I've had that mindset. I was deep into that mindset pretty much my sophomore year to my senior year, to the end of my senior year of high school. So, I mean, and each year it just grew further and further down the hole. And so Mm -hmm. it just like, I learned more and more about myself on how much I can control and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, like it, it definitely, was very mentally taxing on me because again, I never wanted to share this to anyone. And I always thought to myself, this is, I, at the time I had thought it was one of my quote unquote secrets that I could keep to myself that makes me strong because I had full control and I, you know, would, be so so diligent about every little thing being so perfect you know I was saying with like the timing of my meals and exactly what I ate and the you know amount of sugar or whatever in in my food and then did I exercise enough to even eat that and all these thoughts and it's even to this day I mean I'm so much so 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 much better than I was four years ago but it's so hard to this day sometimes to wrap my head around like if I never thought those thoughts like I would be such a different person right now you know like I would have different Mm -hmm. passions and and everything but honestly I feel like having the having those thoughts and uh have me had gone through that like I would not have the same passion for nutrition and fitness that I would to this day and I think that now in college, it, that has really helped me find my passion for what I want to study and what I want to do. Because, you know, now that I'm on the other side of it and I've, I've been through the whole mindset process and I've been through, I know what it, it's like and everything. Um, but I would say also a big factor was once I started to really learn and educate myself I was never Mm -hmm. educated about the topic of of nutrition really um and so I never really thought about instead of you know thinking about calories why don't you think about how you know real whole foods that are nourishing to your body you know that you can eat and not worry about the calories And, um, I started to really, I actually listened to other podcasts and I started to learn in my nutrition classes that I'm taking right now in school so much about real whole nutrient dense foods that is so important to incorporate into your diet and not worry about, oh my gosh, is it 500 calories? Is it this, is it that? Like, that mindset of mine, like, I'm honestly very happy and proud of myself that I've really changed from that mindset. Because 
four years ago, I would not have ever done that. And so um, really, I think educating myself really was when also I was like, okay, Joyce, we need to change, change our thoughts and not think about, it was always calories and numbers and tracking yeah. and, and this and that. And it just, I mean, you can, like the, your mind, you can't do that every day. So no, it's tiring. It's, and like you said, it's unsustainable to literally like every moment of every single day, as soon as you wake up until you fall asleep thinking about, am I working out? Oh, why am I laying down? Oh, why am I eating this? Why am I eating that? And I admire you from having a negative perspective on something that really to a certain degree did affect your health in a negative way to turning that around and making it your passion and making it something that you want to educate others on. That is incredible. And it requires a very strong and willing person to do that. So you should be very proud of yourself for that. Thank you. That really means a lot to me. No, it's definitely, um, that's definitely where my, my focus and, and, and drive is now is to really educate others on the importance of fueling your body and how that affects your performance levels. So, you know, I, I'm very passionate about nutrition, but I'm also very passionate about how nutrition affects your exercise because, you know, I'm still very passionate about exercise and working out, but Mm -hmm. I'm much, much, you know, I have a much different mindset on okay, post-workout, we're not, you know, you're, you're focusing on, on fueling your body and not deteriorating it with less food. Um, so yes, thank you so much. That really, I really appreciate that. I don't know if you've told this story before, but it's such a vulnerable story. And there's something so like when being vulnerable, I think that's when you show that you're really strong. And I feel sometimes in the culture that we grew up on, being vulnerable and sharing these, like you said, secrets that you thought that, oh, if I kept this to myself, that means I'm strong, actually ruin you. And having this ability to share the story and inspire others, because let me tell you, I'm sure there's other people who just entered college and probably are experiencing this. I had our very first guest for the podcast actually said that he would be like obsessing every single day with the way that he looked and he will look going to class at other people and how fit they were and that really messed him up so is there a personal advice that you would give to someone that is currently dealing with these personal issues well first of all I want to say thank you so much because I I mean honestly I (laughs) this is going to be aired and that's the first time that pretty much the general public will have heard me saying this because I literally have not told anyone um, about these thoughts that I've had. But um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I know what it feels like and I know how you might feel like you feel superior to others because you can control how much you eat and how much you work out. And I promise you that's not true. Like it is you are so much more than that. And I cannot emphasize enough that there are so many other joys in the world, so many other activities that you can do that doesn't involve over-exercising, restricting your eating habits and missing out on social and family events just because you can't control what's going to be on the table and 
did you work out before that? Are you going to burn these calories off? I know how that feels. And I know that it's very, you know, you might have anxiety and you're going to be nervous and you feel frustrated that you can't control all that. But I promise you that one, your body is not going to change after, you know, one day of, of going to a family dinner and enjoying yourself. And also life is way, way, way too short to be obsessing over these things. Seriously, it is way too short. And there are so many other things that I would never have joined or I would never Mm -hmm. have even researched or anything to have got myself involved with if I was still in this mindset and looking down the line at your future and at your career, just like what my dad said before. I mean, think about the sustainability of, of your practices, right? I mean, you won't be able to control everything at your nine to five job. You just won't. And so some days you're just not going to work out. You're just really, really, really tired and you're really exhausted mentally and physically, and you just don't want to work out and you still deserve the same amount of food. You still deserve to, you know, treat your body. And if you want to sleep extra hours, sleep extra hours. And honestly, I know if you're listening to this right now and you're still thinking in your head, no, but you don't understand. I, you know, I'm, I can work out for three hours and I can, you know, like my body is perfect and this and that I've been there. I know what it feels like. Trust me. I know that you are in that it's you're in denial, right? Your, your mindset is still in this, in this tunnel vision of you have no other focus and I know how that feels, but, um, it's, it's seriously, I think is really important to also recognize the health of your body. You know, what status are you with, um, your art, like, are your bones healthy? Are your muscles healthy? Um, that was something I struggled with was low bone density as well, because that's obviously something that comes with under fueling. Um, Mm -hmm. also another thing, if you're listening to this and you are going through restrictive eating habits, if you properly fuel your body, you will perform a lot better and you will do a lot better athletic performance wise. And, um, you know, you will become stronger and faster and, and better in that sense. Um, but I would say that if you're listening to this and you are a gymnast too, um, I, again, I've been there. I relate. I know how it feels. And I know that gymnastics, I think it's very important for people to know that gymnastics is a very mentally taxing sport and a very mentally demanding sport. And I know what it feels like to have that feeling of, of obsessing over your body image and, um, looking in the mirror constantly, but your health is so much more important. Seriously, it really is. And, you know, I regret not talking to my teammates and my coaches about this too. 
And so I would say to you is if you are going through something like this, please, please, please reach out to parents, coaches, teammates, because I'm sure that if you either feel insecure or just nervous, any of those things, your teammates, coaches, parents would love to talk with you. And I'm, you know, 99% sure that they would be fully supportive, fully understanding, and that you're not the only one going through this either. You know, there's so many people out there going through something like this. And um, honestly, I really think that vulnerability is a sign of strength and not a sign of weakness. And it'll just make you feel a lot more comfortable to say something rather than keeping it in because I know that feeling as well. So I actually, my freshman year went to the school nutritionist, um, at the Sun Devil Fitness Complex. And, um, I don't remember it that much because it was my freshman year, but, um, I remember she was very, very helpful. Um, I'm sure there are a ton of resources on campus for help. Um, but I would say my biggest regret is to, was not reaching out to a registered dietitian to get help because I think that that would have really put things into perspective for me. If Mm -hmm. I had been told, you know, you should be eating way more than you than you are now you're very much under fueling you know I was very unaware and I was very naive to that so I feel like if you are in this world of sports really intense and you feel like you know you are under fueling um definitely go see a registered dietitian like I just feel like that would be very helpful um, and talk to your doctor too. I mean, you know, I don't know like how close you are with your doctor or if you have a doctor who's understanding. I mean, I was very appreciative and grateful that I had, that I have a doctor who is a sports medicine doctor. So she mm. knows she gets it. Um, I, I switched to a sports medicine doctor, but, um, you know, I would say go to someone who, who understands and who can really, really help you. And will only, you will only benefit from that. Are there things that people can do who are noticing some different eating habits from their friends? Are there certain things that they should avoid saying? Are there some things that they should be saying? Yeah. So, um, that's actually funny that you say that because, you know, I kind of opened up to my high school friends um, last summer about my my thoughts and, and kind of my restrictive eating habits and kind of my past and everything. And it's funny because they told me that they um, never wanted to say anything to me, but they it was noticeable that I wasn't eating as much and I was looking very lean and skinny and this and that. And, um, you know, they never once said anything. And I, in my head thought, oh, like, you know, they would, they probably would never even think that, but they literally told me we thought that something was going on, but we didn't want to say anything in case that would like trigger you or whatever. And I'm honestly, you know, 
part of me, there's two sides of this. One part of me, I'm, I was grateful that they didn't say anything because that really, since I was in such denial, I would have been like almost insulted and been like, no, I'm fine. You know, you're just automatically, that's your automatic response when you're in this mindset. But if I had been more open-minded and if they had said, you know, like, are you, um, you know, like, are you eating enough? Like it's, it's a very touchy topic. So it's very hard to, to go about this, but I would say there are definitely comments that can be triggering to some people and some people just are not, you know, they just don't know what to say and they don't know, you know, they might look at someone and be like, you look very, very skinny. I'm concerned for you, but I don't know how to say this in the appropriate and respectful way. Honestly, it's very hard to say something that's not gonna trigger someone. And um, I would say, you know, there's comments that are like, that I'll hear sometimes that are even triggering to me that'll say, oh, I shouldn't have eaten this, or I need to, I need to burn this off tomorrow and, and run on the treadmill. You know, like comments like that, I, I hear that to this day. And I'm just thinking like, I've been there, but like those comments are, are pretty triggering to me because it makes me think and compare myself to that person. When I know right now to this day, I'm way past that. But like, if you say, if you come at it with a very supportive and a, and a very caring and, you know, empathetic point of view, and you just say something that's really like, I'm here for you. If you ever need anything, that is something that I would have loved to hear. Not that I didn't hear that like prior, but you know, if I was, if when I was back in, in that mindset and I was going through that, um, I would definitely, if I was open and telling someone about my thoughts, you know, and someone said that to me, like, I would feel very comfortable with that person. And I would feel like, okay, you know what, maybe I can tell this person all these thoughts and and everything that's going on in my head. But yeah, no, I think it's, I think honestly, the most important thing is, is some people kind of joke around this topic and say things that they might think is, is a joke or they might think is, is funny or it doesn't mean a lot or whatever. And, you know, in diet culture, there's a lot of talk on, on fat shaming and fat talk and, I wish my body didn't look like this and I shouldn't have eaten that. And just little comments like that. I just would really avoid saying that in front of really anyone, because you really don't know what these people are going through. You don't know what anyone could be, what their past is with, with their relationship with food and and exercise and their body. I mean, the whole point of this podcast is to show the, uh, the whole spectrum of food for when dealing with personal food stories, it just shows the spectrum that food can really touch on, which is very wide from making these very small comments of, oh, you know, I shouldn't be eating that because yesterday I had a big dinner and how that small statement can really affect somebody else's mentality who are going through a hard uh, struggle with their food and their relationship with food. So thank you so much for, for stating that and just you know, I'm sure listeners are probably like, yeah, I'm guilty of that too. So trying to be more cognizant of that is very important. But thank you so much, Joyce. This was such a 
amazing talk and I'm sure you're going to inspire others. Thank you so much. No, I loved being here. Thank you so much for having me. I really hope that this um, is just helpful and beneficial to anyone. Um, this is my first time really saying this out loud in public kind of um, for everyone to hear. So I really, I really, really, really appreciate it. So thank you so much. This really was so fun.